0: Well, if you remember the last Wednesday that um, I brought my message, I shared some things and introduced some things considering going out our door every day prepared. Um, In addition to your phone and your keys and maybe a notepad and a pocket knife, depending on what you need, other things that you should carry with you every day of highly important nature. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. We're going to touch on those things again. And continue on a little bit with this idea. Ephesians 6 and verse 10 is where we'll pick up. Paul writes to the church here and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our blood is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And we'll stop right there. I don't know if I mentioned last, uh, last time, verse 18. Um, but reviewing this, you know, Paul s- says some more equally important things. Praying, you know, obviously, prayer is something that we shouldn't just limit to our time gathered together or our time at home in our enclosed um, private time frame. We can take prayer with us as we go out the door, too. We can pray for people they don't even know about it. They don't know we're praying, so it's a powerful thing. He also says to be on alert, and that means just being aware of, of what's going on, looking for Every opportunity, whether that's an opportunity to show compassion towards someone or an opportunity to pray for someone, being on alert for those things, for teachable moments, is, is a great and powerful thing to have. And, and also perseverance. Persevering during times where uh, you may be discouraged or so forth. Those are all powerful things that we can continue, we can take with us. You know, it, Back to the idea of prayer, if you've not experience the power of prayer. Um, maybe you're not doing it right. I don't know. James tells us that the, the biggest obstacle in our prayer is doubt. He says, Let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That's James 1.6. Doubt doubt can hamper our faith. Doubt can hamper our prayer. It can, it can come in. Um, put on the full armor of God. Again, we touched on this last time. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God. And this may seem like quite a list to, to carry with you. Uh, maybe you're used to walking around very minimal with the things you have. But as we mentioned last time, we live in a, in a dark place, a dark place where, you know, as, as we see now, fear is predominant. And those, those things encroach and those things change people's perspectives and they they cause people to do things they normally wouldn't, and a lot of those things aren't just as as we say can see right in front of us, but they're on a, a different realm, that spiritual realm that he says in verse 12. Um, so we get up every morning and we put these things on. Um, as a lot of you know, I I spent quite a few years working with the law enforcement agency up in Washington. Worked for them for um probably about five years a little over five years and as you can imagine i got to be pretty familiar with the things that they do that the equipment they use Um, and the state patrol was is constantly making sure that their troopers were properly equipped to do their job because they had a dangerous job to face the dangers out there these folks get up every day and they put on these heavy utility belts that have their Their service firearm, their taser, their mace, their radio, handcuffs, all those things, extra ammunition. And they put it on on over their body armor, and they go through their entire career. A lot of them never even be involved in a shooting. But they do it every, every day anyway because they need to be prepared for the worst. They do. Their goal every day to get up and to do their job... ...is to make it home safely. To make it home safely because they have families at home that are relying on them. To make it back to their families. Making it home. And that's kind of a little bit of shift I want to look at today because... You know, ...it's it's one thing to get up and to put all those things on. Um, but the idea of making it home is, is what I want to touch on tonight. Now, do any of us step out of our door... With that thought in our mind, you know, do we ever have enough forethought to consider that what we face out there um, in order to ensure we make it home at the end of the day, most of us are, I I don't know if any of us, um, besides those who spent time, um, like brother Chuck, ever have had to experience that thought in the morning. You know, I, I know brother Chuck and uh, brother Billy are, are probably pretty glad that they don't have to wake up in the morning and think about those things anymore uh, because they they they've removed themselves from those dangerous situations our normal everyday lives don't don't include I might not make it home tonight I might not make it home today however you know I want to go on again to talk to about the more Um, spiritual realm if you will because that's what we touched on last week not just our our physical lives but what we take with us um, in our spiritual realm again verse 12 says our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places Uh, I I don't know if we can comprehend this verse completely you know, there's there's a lot of things that um, we just we can't experience. we can't see. I, I like to liken it to the fact that our our eyesight is limited to a certain spectrum of light, if you will. Well beyond light, beyond the things that we can see, you know there are things that are happening that we can't see. You look at they've examined different animals, the biology of them. and if I remember it, right, I think it's some strange sea creature that lives you know, in some remote part of the sea, that has the widest spectrum of, of vision, and they can see, I think it's hundreds of times more uh, things than we can. They can see things that our eyes just can't even pick up. Uh, Jesus talks about his devil excuse me, the devil and his angels in Matthew 25, we won't turn there uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 12 but in Matthew 25 he says he will also say to those on his left depart from me you cursed one into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels and if we turn to Revelation 12 I'll I'll explain why I read that Revelation 12, we're going to come back to uh, Ephesians 6 if you want to put a marker there Revelation 12, we're going to pick up in verse 7, talking about a war. It says, There was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. We'll just uh, stop right there. It is, we read these things. We, we try to, I think, some maybe sometimes picture it in our, our minds, um, the things that, that happen. You know, Isaiah, I believe, talks about Satan falling from from the light and things of that nature. You know, it's, it's hard for us to grasp hold of. But we're given enough um, information. We're given enough that even though it might be beyond our comprehension we're told about it because the Lord wants us to be prepared. He wants us to be warned. He wants us to be aware of these things. And as we grow and as we mature and as, as we, we take his wisdom upon us, the things that we take upon us um, not only benefit us in this life as far as you know, our interactions and our relationships and spreading the gospel, but we're told it protects us. It protects us from the things that we can't even see going on. Satan had waged a war in heaven before him and his angels um, were cast down to the earth. And that and must have been some war, right? Some war, uh, a war that none of our modern technology probably could even la- lift a finger um, to comprehend. But in the end, Satan and his an- angels were cast down to earth. And we can see in the end... As uh, Jesus says in Matthew 25, when judgment comes, that that judgment is awaiting them. And they, they will once again you know, no longer be loosed um, to cause any harm. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. And while these things are sometimes hard to, to picture and hard, hard to comprehend... Um, I do enjoy looking at them. I do enjoy spending time because we're told to appraise things spiritually. And I would like to, to think that as we grow closer to the Lord and his spirit comes alongside our spirit and he teaches us things, that we, we grow spiritually to where we're, we're experiencing things, as I touched on this last Sunday, from the kingdom age, the kingdom power. And obviously, though, with what comes with experience, those things on that spiritual realm, you also have right now what's going on um, in the darkness. Back to Ephesians 6. We already re-read verse 12. Let's read verse 16 also. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one, And so, that war that broke out in heaven, that caused Satan and his angels to be cast down, is continuing on. Continuing on. You'll find that um, even though I tend to have uh, more of a quiet and reserved demeanor um, because of my experience, because of my training, I've I've kind of taken on a a warrior's heart, if you will. You can. I, I've met plenty of people that were of the same sort of demeanor as I, I tend to have that were truly uh, amazing warriors. I, I got to meet them firsthand, and you'll find that a lot of them uh, tend to be be that way because, I don't know, it's, just, it's kind of a nature. But, so I have a tendency to, to have um, a mindset that considers these things and thinks these things. So with the war not being over and Satan and his angels being out there every day waiting for us, how often do we walk out the door um, with that in mind? Not that we're crippled with fear, not that we're, we're worried that, uh, that you know, he's going to be around the next bend, but that we're just, as we read already in verse 18, being on the alert. We may make it back to our temporary dwellings, what we refer to as home, every day because of the relative safety that we live in but the ultimate question is are we going to make it home are we going to make it home i i i was thinking about it when i was getting ready for this and i meant to look it up there's a song or a hymn that that we sing as as baptists that say that says that you know this is this can never be my home this this will never be my home i look to that home that we can read about abraham looking to that is is not in this, this world. And let's go to Hebrews chapter eleven. I think that's I'm pretty sure that's where where I'm referring to. We might as well read that. Hebrews eleven. It's good to revisit this. You know, these folks had had a faith, a faith that brought them through so many things why this chapter, my chapter has the, the heading, The Triumphs of Faith and as we know since faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen, a lot of it has to do with what's in our minds and what's in our hearts so here we can get an insight to verse 8 some of the things Abraham had in his mind, it says Abraham when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Jump down to verse 13. And these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. And so this this idea that I'm bringing out this evening, the, the idea of making it home, isn't just as... As I mentioned, some of us have have experienced every day the idea of having to make it home to our families, but the idea of making it home to our Father in heaven. Making it home because we know this is just a temporary time, a temporary dwelling, a temporary country, a temporary city. All of these words that are used here to show that we're looking for a heavenly home, one that uh, we should hopefully be longing for. And so we want to make it. we want to make it. Are we going to make it? Our Father, you know, one that we pray to, our Father, who are in heaven with that holy name, our brethren, right, our brother, for both he who sanctifies Jesus Christ and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. They are our family, and they are waiting for us. Now, there are a lot of people out there who have had to do some pretty difficult things there are certain groups uh, in the u.s military that are very special because of the difficult things that they they have been trained to do and impossible even just the training they've gone through has been pretty impossible in order to qualify these groups army rangers air force Pararescue jumpers or pjs uh, marine recon navy seals just to name a few and i've read i read quite a few handful of of different accounts of these people and the training they went through and The mentality that they had, and I was touched by one uh, not too long ago, where he was going through some training that was very physically demanding. He had to swim five miles in the ocean. I can't imagine swimming five miles in a pool with no current, but five miles in the ocean with a current, uh, and he had five and a half hours to complete it. To me, that is mind-boggling. And while demanding, uh, extremely demanding physically, he said that the biggest demand on him was mentally was the mental aspect of it but he shared with those who, who he was writing to in his book that he had a source of strength and that source of strength was his family he would get into the repetition of, of the swim and then the strokes and those things and he could focus on his family he could think about his, his wife and his kids and it gave him strength because he knew he wasn't just doing it for himself he was doing it for his family he would fight through intense training intense pain intense conflict for years to come and the whole time his family was what gave him strength and purpose and we call ourselves sons of God brothers and sisters in Christ are we fighting to make it home for them too because we're not in this Fight alone. We're not in fight, this fight alone. I've I've really enjoyed uh, messages of late. As, you know, there's a couple of, of our teachers and brought out Psalm 133. It's just a beautiful Psalm about brethren dwelling dwelling together in unity. The idea of us being a family is is so important, and that's why God makes it a theme in His in His Word from pretty much the beginning to the end. And so we, we have to think about our family. We have to think about fighting for them. We have to be, you know, just to touch on the opposite uh, end of it, we have to make sure we don't adulterate ourselves with the world, forsaking our family and running out and starting another one, to kind of use analogy. You know, as crazy as it sounds, people do that. You hear stories of, of people leaving one family and going starting a family with another I, I can only you know I, I can I just can't imagine it but it happens but in all seriousness seriousness you know uh, we we have to understand that that our path is to lead us home it's to lead us to our family it's to lead us through that and it's unfortunately leading us on a narrow and as it says very difficult path and to use the, the mindset the the, the scriptures that we've been using, it's, it's basically a, a battlefield, a war-torn battlefield that has casualties all the time. And so we, we don't want to be that casualty. So going back to Ephesians chapter, or before we turn back to Ephesians 6, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I don't mention these things to try and um, instill any more fear in our lives that, <laughs> that we might already have. You know, I certainly i don't want to do that. I don't want God's word Um, we we should always have a a healthy uh, fear for our Lord, for our Father. We should have a a healthy respect and fear for His Word in regards to um, being true to it and the the judgment that it speaks of and the judgment it brings into our life. These things I don't mention so that we walk out the door fearful, but rather that we can be strengthened because we know, based on what we read, that he He will... be right there with us. He will give us the tools. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 13. So Chapter 11 verse 13. For such men are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their deeds. And we'll stop right there. There's there's a lot of deception that's going on a lot of of things that that on the surface they they look like righteousness they might look like light Um, but as this states and as uh, our Messiah states in, in some of his teachings you'll know them by their deeds you'll know them by their deeds they may at first appear but the fruit eventually reveals it not only do we fight a vicious enemy but as we can read here we fight a cunning one one who has the power to deceive. As I mentioned, Jesus mentions this false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead even, or if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. Whoa. He's told us in advance. He's given us a heads up. At least he tells us. There's the possibility of being deceived, but he's, he's given us a warning. He says, I have told you in advance. That's Matthew 24, 24 through 25, if you want to make, make note of it. We've been given uh, warning of the enemy's strategy. What, what better thing could you ask for if you were uh, planning a battle as a general to go in and fight an enemy if someone handed you their, their strategy that showed what they're going to do, how they're going to come at you, what tools are they going to use? To have that advanced knowledge, we're, we're blessed. We just have to be looking for it. We have to be in God's word and see that God is, is giving us this warning right now. I mentioned last last time, You know, if we're told that tomorrow when you walk out that door and you open it, there's going to be a wild African lion sitting there, one who hasn't probably eaten for a while, and he's, he's ready to devour you, what would you do? How would you prepare yourself? Would you just never leave your house? You know, you, eventually you'd probably starve to death because you, fear would cripple you. Would you go out in, you know, tank tops and flip t- tank top and flip flops, right, with your cell phone? Some people step out every day believing that their cell phones are the only thing that they need, their only tool. Not too long ago, there was a, a video of a, on a public bus of an 80-year-old woman being attacked um by some a thug, and the driver stepped in to intervene. The bus was full of people. and you know what those people were doing? They're holding up their cell phones, videotaping an 80 year old woman. Nobody would step up and, and help them. And we, we have to, to shift away from this mentality of, of being observers and understand that we are participants. We are we are actively participating and so we need to again be, be prepared. If you we were placed in an arena with that lion, what would you want to have with you? I, t- I mentioned last week. Give me a tank, right? <laughs> give me a, give me a Abrams tank. I'll, I'll uh, whip that lion's butt. That's because I'll be protected in armor. Peter tells us to be sober in spirit, be on alert, because our <laughs> adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, and we have to arm ourselves with something that is going to fight Satan, something that's going to be effective against him and his angels who are able to disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. If we go back to Ephesians 6, there's many things mentioned, but there's one that stands out probably the most. Ephesians chapter 6. When you're faced with deception, when you're faced with something that appears to be genuine the best tool you can have is found in verse 17 take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit which is the word of God that same sword is also called the truth the truth it's it's in regards to Um, Let me find it here. Hold on a second. In regards to fighting deception, having the truth, having this never-changing benchmark that we can turn to and that we can take anything that comes at us and we can put it up against it and say, "Does does it match or doesn't it? You know, I, there have been instances in my walk with the Lord where I've come across um, folks that, um, for all rights and purposes, they, they lock and lock, lock step with everything that I believe, right? Everything that I believe, and I, I spend time with them, and, and I uh, get in the Word with them, and things, things go well for a while. And then this curveball comes out of left field, and all of a sudden, they're telling me, well, Satan's not a real being. Uh, I'm not going to get into that tonight, but Satan's not real. The only thing that's real is this adversary which is within each and every one of us. I thought, wow, that doesn't make sense. What about the account of Job? What about what we read in Peter? What about what we read about him being cast down? It goes beyond beyond that, and I eventually have to part ways with that because of those things those things I just can't align myself with, and I have to realize that God's word doesn't doesn't fit that, and so all it takes is that one thing. You can have ninety nine percent of the truth and one percent a lie, and it's still a lie. You, you're still lying. So God has given his his word as a sword to to fight that deception verse 14 stand firm therefore having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness gird your loin how many of us are familiar with that term that's not something that's part of our culture part of our society girding our loins and i i found something i wanted to share with you for those who are um, sharing uh on their screen here i found uh, a little illustration on the concept of girding your loins and so those of you can see it says you know if you've read your bible you've probably come across this phrase girding your loins and i don't know about you but i've found it to be kind of a funny funny term loins are something that again is not part of our vocabulary, but back in the ancient near East, both men and women would wear these flowing tunics. It, it had to It was a way to fight the heat, to fight the sun and they would wear it about with a, a belt or a girdle. And while they were comfortable and breezy, the hem of it that was usually around their ankles would often get in the way, especially when beginning to do uh, physical labor or most importantly during battle. And so when an ancient Hebrew man would go into battle, say, against the Philistines, they would lift that hem, they'd roll it up, and then they would, uh, they would tuck it in the girdle and tie a knot to keep it off the ground. And it basically created a pair of shorts. It would pare- create a pair of shorts that freed their legs for, for plenty of movement. And so th- for them to tell someone to gird up your loins was to tell them to get ready for hard work or get ready for battle. It was an ancient way of basically saying man up, we're getting ready for, for battle. You know with a battle you know raging out we're told here to to gird ourselves, gird our loins with truth. Again we're not going to let me come back here and you know, we're not going to go to battle in a bathrobe and slippers right That's not going to be effective for us. That's not going to, to be what we need. And I think I can, we can kind of liken that to having a elementary knowledge of God's word. Having having an elementary of knowledge of God's word, not spending the due diligence that that we should, you know, we're not we're not doing ourselves any favor. We're we're going in unprepared, you know, we're going in. <laughs> With skinny jeans, right? How practical would those be in a in a fight? You know, here, Paul tells us, "Gird our loins with the truth." The most practical and effective tool that we can have, and we're to put it on in a specific fashion to prepare ourselves for for labor or battle. To know our enemy's tactics in advance talks about those false Christs and those false prophets, those who will show great signs and win, uh, great signs and wonders. If we gird ourselves with our loins with the truth and get ready for battle, they'll be evident. And those who listened last time will will know this, but how do we take that with us? How do we carry that with us? Aside from carrying our Bible with us every day, how do we carry the truth with us everywhere we go? And you have a large backpack that, that you can put your Bible in and maybe some study notes. I remember our piano player in and Roy, she took her hymns with her um, back and forth because she loved to sing at home too. And she had this purse on her with her Bible and her hymn books and her notebook and all the rest of the stuff she carried. And she was a she wasn't she was a smaller woman. And every once in a while she'd have her hands full, and I'd pick that, that purse up to help her. And man, I'd I'd lean over because she had a a big purse. But you know, we don't we don't need a large purse. We don't need a large backpack to take the truth with us. As we saw last t- last time, we have a tablet of our hearts that we can write God's word on to place it in our minds. Because the capacity of our hearts and minds, if exercised correctly, are pretty much limitless. Uh, I've I've had to take quite a bit of effort over the years simply because of my Inability to memory, remember things, um, to put things to memory. But I mean, there's there's some brethren you've probably met. Uh, one comes off the top of my head, Brother Jeff Shepard. I mean, he he can he can quote almost full books of the Bible, and not that he does it to to brag or to show um, that he's better than anybody, but it's because he's dedicated his time to to writing it on the tablet of his heart. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 1, very similar to what Paul wrote there in Ephesians, Peter writes here in verse 13, Therefore gird your minds for action, keep sober in the spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who has called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And so just like that that uh, the Hebrew man had to to stop and take the time to roll up his tunic and to gird his loins, to prepare for labor, prepare for battle, we do have to gird our minds. It, it takes preparation. It takes effort on our part. And we can see here it's about... Being sober, it's about not uh, being obedient to children, not conforming ourselves to our former lusts. You know, all of these things, you know, that the time we spent looking at the idea of repentance, purposeful uh, repentance, purposeful actions on our part in order to take our mind, which we use to serve God, and have it, well, as we see it, the last couple of verses here, to be in a more holy state. To be in, in, a, in a more holy position, to where we can draw near to a holy God. I don't know about you, but I love the idea of drawing near to a holy God because, I mean, just just the things I've read about Him, Moses being in His presence and seeing, you know, the, the, the glory and, and those things, and what was promised for us. Uh, I just, and so it, it's worth the effort to to prepare ourselves. Again, how do we gird our minds for the truth? How do we prepare? If we're told that in a hundred days that we're going to face an opponent, we're going to take every opportunity to practice. We're going to train, training ourselves, preparing ourselves, whichever way we can. We're told in the book of Hebrews, my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but those who have the faith for preserving of our soul, we're not going to shrink back. You know, we've read about the the things that are out there. We're warned about the enemy. We're warned about his his strategy. But instead of hiding, instead of shrinking back, and our Lord not having pleasure in us, we're going to gird ourselves up and we're going to prepare ourselves. There's you know there's no there's no second place. God is not given. is going to give participation awards. God deals out judgment. It says, do not know that those who run in a race all run but only one receives the prize Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 9 and he says run in such a way that you receive the prize run that means training training ourselves blessed are those who when the master comes are alert He will, he will gird himself to serve he will gird himself to serve we will recline at the table and he'll come wait on us. If, if we're not prepared, we'll fail and we'll shrink back. And we'll not be able to participate in that. Before I close, you know, I want to look at a couple examples. And that obviously the greatest example we have is Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our King, who came as a King, but he was a servant King. He, was, he came like no King before him as a servant. And he, he accomplished great and wonderful things because of that that mindset that he had. And so the Son of God made manifest in the flesh. Turn with me to John chapter thirteen. He spent forty days out in the wilderness. And what was he doing? He was training. He was training for his ministry. He was tempted in all kinds of things, as we could we can read during that time. Challenged in the flesh, but one who is tempted in all things yet without sin. That was to prepare him for the things that he would face during his ministry. The insults, the the demon-possessed, the sick, the Jews, the the, um, Greeks, all the things that came at him he was prepared for during that time. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he had come forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself about. about, And he poured water in the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Excuse me. What did Jesus gird himself with? What did Jesus gird himself with in this situation? Now we can see physically he girded himself with a towel. But I challenge you to look beyond that, to see what he really girded himself with. Let's go to verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then the Lord and the teacher wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly truly I say to you a slave is not greater than his master neither is one who sent greater than the one who sent him If you know these things you are blessed if you do them I don't know about you but sometimes when I read God's word gives me gives me goosebumps it gives me goosebumps to read about our Messiah and and especially in this particular case Christ girded himself with humility that day with humility and he, he explains it to him right here in these verses that we read. In order to bring about something far greater than clean feet, he was able to, in that one simple action, to defeat an enemy, an enemy, excuse me, an enemy not only for himself but for those who were present and for us who read. And that's the pride, the pride of life. You can go to First John and, and see that that is part of the the thing that. Satan attacks us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of uh, our eyes, and our pride of life. Jesus defeated that right here, girding himself with humility. As always, Jesus is the greatest example that we have in in order how to determine our walk in this life. He prepared himself, he trained himself, and he was well equipped, and guess what? He made it home. He made it home. We can read in Mark 16, it says, So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to his disciples, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. He made it home. It's not just about going out there prepared in your armor. It's going out prepared to do whatever it takes to make it home. These men and women who serve our country's military and law enforcement first responders you know, they have families that depend on them. They, they need to not only go out there and do their job to support them, but they need to make it home every day. I was reminded of a, of a quote by G.K. Chesterton. It says, A true soldier fights, not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. Now, we have a great, great deal of family that we're fighting for, not just our immediate family, but also... For our church family, for our brothers and sisters that that we assemble with, that we call brothers and sisters, that we hug on, that we, we shake hands with, that we support, that we bear one another's burdens, and also our, our brothers and sisters throughout this world. We're fighting for them too. And we can read these letters that Paul wrote of all these churches that were scattered out, and these letters reached each one, and they were passed around, and they encouraged, they admonished, They strengthened, they helped each and every one fight that good fight. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're fighting for the greatest family that we have, our greatest brother. The reason why we call each other brother, that's Jesus Christ, who already came and fought for us. He came and he fought for us. The least we can do is, is make an effort each and every day to fight for him and make it home. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We'll close with this. Let's pick up in verse 11. He says, "But flee from these things, you man of God." It's interesting. I I just thought of this, you know, sometimes some of the best strategies require some retreat at time. Retreat. Right here, Paul's telling Timothy Flee from these things. Sometimes we need to remove ourselves. Sometimes we need to remove ourselves to better fight another day. He says, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of that eternal life to which you were called and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Take hold of that eternal life. And just like I, I started this last Sunday, that eternal life, that Ionius life, that life in the ages to come, is is present here and now. The power is here, and we can lay a hold of it now. And we, we put on our, our, our spiritual glasses, and we see that Jesus Christ brought some great and powerful things for us, and we can lay a hold of it, and we can use it just like Paul says, to fight that good fight. You know, the term for for Christ's sake has become a curse upon the lips of even the most devout atheists. I want to take it back. Let's take that back. For Christ's sake, let's fight. For our family's sake. For our loved one's sake. Let's fight. It's about making it home. I long for the day that we can make it home to our brothers and sisters that we'll see Not only Christ, not only our our Father, but see each and every one of us there. I pray that we all make it home. And so, let's let's fight. Let's fight that good fight. It's something I I remind myself often. I even got myself, for those you can see, you know, one of my patches says fight the good fight. It's a daily reminder that I need to make it home for my family. And for my Messiah. So, hopefully, that can um, be something that you can take with you uh, each and every day. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts or questions?
1: Yes, uh, uh, Brother Josh. uh, Yes. I'd like to add something to what you say. Uh, And let me turn to Ephesians, the sixth chapter in uh, 1966 through 68 uh, i spent my uh, that part of my life in vietnam on a ship uh, and uh and then later on in my life i uh, went to work for the department of correction and i worked there for 24 years and every day there was there was always the the thought that something could happen uh, and I could have to give my life. Um, uh, There was times in the Navy when I didn't know if I was going to make it back. There was times in the Department of Correction that I thought I didn't know if I was going to make it home. But something always gave me an extra boost I, I always put on all the clothing and all of the equipment that I had to have uh, and, and you might call that armor uh, but there was something else that that made all of it possible in in chapter in verse 18 it says with all preparation and petition prayer at all pray uh, petitions pray at all times in the spirit." And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petitions from all the saints. The thing that really pulled me over the, uh, through it all, was the fact that I knew that people were praying for me. My pastor, my wife, uh, my brothers and sisters, my friends. Amen. And I say, brothers, brothers and sisters, uh, Jeremy knows about uh, a little bit about praying for me. Uh, but I always knew that God would take care of me because, in part, because of that prayer. It doesn't do any good to put on the the uh, the armor if you don't have God with you. Amen. Um. Uh, Goliath found that out.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so any time I, I think about putting on the armor, I also think about putting on Jesus Christ and, and prayer and, and not only my prayer, but the prayers of the saints because that stuff goes a long ways to protecting you. Amen. Uh, uh, just like right now i we pray for each other that we won't come down with this virus so far as i know nobody has in any of the churches yeah uh, and that goes a long ways i'm uh, i'm thankful for the armor that god gives me but i'm also thankful for the prayers that go up to god for me and that's the full armor of God amen brother that's all brother I, I, just, I couldn't help but I couldn't pass that up that, that was um, and, and I'm not derating uh, the message any but I, th- I think that that be on the alert needs to be put in there too Amen. those prayers
0: No, Uh, that's...
1: Without, without, without prayers, nothing's, nothing's sacred.
0: Yeah. You know, the watchman watches in vain unless God's with him, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and if you don't think I got scared at times, uh, ask Billy. I, he used to come home uh, literally a mess. Hmm. I talked to him a lot of times about getting out. It was time for both of us. But if it hadn't been for the saints, I don't think either one of us would have made it. Because we fought every day. Yeah. One way or the other. And and those prayers count a lot.
0: Amen. Appreciate that. All right, well, if there's nothing else, we'll turn it back over to Brother Jeremy.